Welcome to Engineering Works, powered by the ACEC of Illinois. We'll be featuring the innovators, creators, designers, and engineers who are making engineering work in Illinois and reshaping our state. I'm Haley Burns, co-founder of public affairs and public relations firm River Strategies and co-founder of Lincoln Forum, a Chicago-based public affairs event series. Today, I'm here with Chuck Stenzel, Principal and Senior Vice President of Transystem. Chuck, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time today. Hi, Haley. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so what we would love to hear from, I, your firm is involved in many, many projects, but one that's super interesting to us because just of the size, the budget, and the length of time is the Circle Interchange Project. Chuck, can you start by just letting us know what were the goals of a project of that size when you initially were coming to that, your firm? Sure. So back when we started, AECOM and Transystems was a joint venture partnership with IDOT, who's the owner of the Circle, or now known as the Jane Byrne Interchange. And the interchange was rated by the American Research Transportation Research Institute and the Federal Highway Administration as the worst freight bottleneck in the country. So that's definitely a distinction that IDOT wanted to overcome. And so they hired us to take a look at that, both the phase one and phase two engineering. And so the issues to overcome were the congestion that was happening there. But it kind of also played into there was a safety problem, lots of accidents that occurred. The operations needed to be improved, and the infrastructure itself was in poor condition. I mean, it was built in the 1950s and 1960s, so it had served its life, and it needed to be upgraded or replaced. But in addition, it was also noted that one of the main things that the project aimed to do was reconnect the communities that were disrupted back when the interchange was first constructed. So that kind of took on a, a side part of the project that led to some nice improvements in the area. Yeah, and Chuck, today, projects like this are approached by a much more holistic perspective. And I know this project in particular had some beautifying aspects, some ways in which it eased pedestrian traffic and even some parks that were made possible. Do you mind sharing some of those aspects of the projects that were more than just getting cars from one place to another? Sure. Yeah, we held a very robust public involvement outreach plan using context-sensitive solutions known as CSS. And with that, we formed a community advisory group, which was stakeholders from the area that came together to talk about what the issues and problems are and things they'd like to see addressed as part of the project. And with all the meetings that we had, in fact, we had over 50 stakeholder meetings during the whole process during the project. Some of the things we heard were it was obvious that there's problems on the expressway, but we're more concerned with what's on top, you know, the connectivity of the neighborhood that was divided years ago and the pedestrians and things you just mentioned. So some of the things that were implemented were for transportation were better connectivity for pedestrians. So we put wider sidewalks on all the crossroad bridges going over the expressways. Uh, uh, bicyclists, uh, more on-street bike lanes that were in accordance with CDOT's uh, bikeway plan, and then better transit connections. The CTA Blue Line runs down the median of the Eisenhower Expressway, 
And there was an existing station house for the Peoria Street station, but it was an old, small brick building on top of the Peoria Street Bridge, very confined. It it, it, uh, made pedestrian flow very congested. And what we did was proposed and built a new station that was off the bridge. So now you have a better pathway for all the students and faculty at the university. But it also made the station ADA accessible through an elevator that went down to the platform. And then also better connections to the Halstead station stop on Halstead Street, where the buses that come northbound on Halstead could stop and there was a pedestrian signal added. So pedestrians had a safer way to cross under a new canopy. So if it was raining or snowing, they could be out of the elements and have a better crossing there into the into the uh, transit area. So some of those were some of the more transportation improvements. Landscaping, IDOT spent over $10 million on landscaping and vines and other landscape improvements in the area because one of the things that we talked about was with the community advisory group, just to see a concrete and steel, it needed to be softened a little bit. So the improvements took into account some of that as well as aesthetic improvements including treatments on the retaining walls and bridge piers to just not be plain concrete, but have some form line to it. Uh, stainless steel handrails and fences rather than galvanized chain link fence. And just little improvements that just really improve the, the appearance and appeal of it. And then lastly, I mentioned the park. Uh, in working with Greektown, which is along Halstead Street, right adjacent to the project, at the corner of Van Buren and Halstead is their park called Elysian Field. And by putting a retaining wall along the ramp in that corner, it allowed that whole park to be leveled out and improved. And And they took it from there to make it a, a gateway to, to Greek town so they can have events and uh, make it a focal point and a gateway to the Greek town community. Hmm. Chuck, I know you you mentioned earlier how when many of these expressways were put in originally, the focus really was on transportation. It was it was uh, a narrower for focus than you're talking about today. And is it common that the communities in which these expressways were put in, put in were broken up? This isn't unique to this particular project, is it? This is kind of the case on some of this older infrastructure. It, yes, it is the case. And, and the, the current uh, transportation bill that was passed even has funds to look at fixing some of these divisions that happened many years ago, when the inter- mostly when the interstate system was built, especially through urban areas such as Chicago and many other towns like Boston and New York, et cetera. And so looking at our transportation moving forward is how to provide better connectivity and how to help heal that division that might have happened years ago when these improvements were made at that time for the movement of cars, mostly in trucks, through the area in in such a booming economy back then, post-World War II. Now people want to get around more so, not only in cars, but with bikes and walking and having a more healthy and sustainable connection to their community. Mm Mm-hmm. And hopefully this is just the way things go here on out. And it seems to be that that is how projects of this size are approached in a much more holistic way with many more people, planners at the table who are thinking about different aspects of these kinds of projects. 
Yes, I think that's going to be the future. And it's been in play for a little bit with complete streets on smaller projects, arterials, and how to make sure that these multiple connections, molds are accommodated for pedestrians and bicyclists and not just focused solely on cars. And with that came an outreach program with the communities, uh, context-sensitive solutions and other public involvement to bring the communities into the conversation early so we understand what their issues are and how to solve something that from the outside you might not uh, be aware of and have a better transportation network as a result of it. Mm-hmm. How important was that pre-planning work that I know that you guys did with these communities. What did that look like and how big of a role did that play in the planning? So it was a it was a big role in the planning. We had the community advisory group was made I don't remember the exact number, I believe it was around twenty members. So it included Greektown and the University of Illinois, Chicago. It included some businesses in the area some community active groups as far as like aesthetics and parklands and stuff. CDOT was at the table and CTA as other transportation agencies. So you had a full look at all the different interests in the area. And so I think we had five specific community advisory group meetings. Maybe there were six. But in between those meetings, we also met with different community groups that might have been, for example, a condo association on one of the buildings adjacent to the project or St. Pat's Church, which is also right adjacent to the project. And so it was really an involved outreach program to make sure we were talking to a lot of different people to understand because it was going to be messy and take a long time to build this interchange. And so we wanted to make sure that we got uh, some input from them early on. And of a project of this size too. I know you shared how important it was that you, your firm, kept really close and frequent contact with IDOT. What did that look like, Chuck? And how important was that to be so closely interconnected throughout the duration of this? Yeah, that was really important because when we started phase one, our goal was to complete phase one and get design approval in 15 months. Normally, you're looking at like 36 to 48 months, three or four years, right, for a project to get design approval. So the project was moving very quickly, and decisions had to be made very quickly. And here we were completely looking at how to reconfigure the interchange, how to rebuild the interchange, and dealing with things that you see above ground and then things underground that you don't really realize are there, such as water tunnels and old freight tunnels and things like that. So by having the collaboration with the department and all their different bureaus, so you had the Bureau of Planning, Bureau of Design, the bridge office down in Springfield, drainage, everybody and others had a a seat to understand what we were trying to do and then have real-time input on like, well, that would work or that's not going to work or we've got a concern with this. And so that collaboration was really important to work things out as we went uh, rather than waiting till the end and have a review only to find out uh, they wish they would have been told sooner. So we had that weekly outreach uh, meetings with them during phase one. And as as we move forward to phase two, that we didn't meet as often because we were busy developing the details and the plans, but that collaboration continued. And it was really an excellent example of collaboration between the design team and the department on working out issues. 
And then even when we went into construction, because we were still designing parts of the project when construction began, because we knew there'd be a lot of overlap uh, needed. And there were 35 contract plans put together. So you can imagine while two or three of those are being in construction at the same time, there'd be contractors that might be overlapping each other. They might be finding unforeseen things in the field that had to be worked out. So that collaboration with the, the construction folks was also very valuable to make sure that we addressed items that would help a future contract, for example, or understand what some of the unforeseen issues might have been. Sure. I'm curious what it was like for you personally, Chuck, and your immediate team members at your firm. It's not every day that you're working on a pro engineers are working on a project of this size. I mean, 400,000 vehicles use this interchange every day. I know that there was no extra property that you guys were working with. So there's a lot of complexity, not to mention it was before Rebuild Illinois. So a different era of funding. What was it like for you personally? And again, the other leaders from your firm to work on a project of this size? Yeah, it was, it's every engineer's dream to work on a project like this. It's very complex, large, impactful, right? It's a hub of the interstate system here in Chicago where all the major expressways converge. And to be involved with that is just a privilege. And so we were very happy to do that and be a part of it. And it's really a career changing project to have on your resume. And a lot of our staff, and we had hundreds of people on the design team working on this project. And I think they'd all say they were very proud to be part of this project and to know that they were part of such a, a complex project. And it's just to know that it's making a difference and it's something that you can show and move forward and take that lessons learned and engineering expertise that was gained to the next project and the one after that. And it's really a career building type project. It's just exciting to be part of that. And what gets you, after, after a project of this size and everything that you've seen from the beginning of that, now looking forward, so the next five or 10 years of infrastructure in Illinois and the industry of engineering in Illinois and the different kinds of evolutions of how we're doing things and projects are getting done, what gets you excited, Chuck? What are you most excited about, about the future of this industry? Well, I would say the thing that I've always loved about being an engineer and working on roadway projects and transportation projects is that you drive through a project, you see what the problems are, you come up with solutions, and then you're able to someday drive on that or witness the changes that you made, and it's an improvement to the system. And so I see with the future and the infusion of monies from Rebuild Illinois and the federal uh, transportation funding and the recognition that infrastructure and transportation is so vital to our economy that that the projects that have been put on the shelf for a while that need to be done are moving forward. And that just is going to make our transportation network that much better. And it's just, it's exciting to be part of those big changes that are going to be implemented over the next five to 10 years because of the investment that we are all making in the system. And I think with that too, I, I, I do get excited about multimodal connections. It's just not a roadway project, but also transit and how to connect the last mile and the first mile of transit to the rest of the transportation network. How do you get people to the trains, for example, and to their 
place at their destination and making it more walkable and, and pedestrian and bicycle friendly. So you don't need to get in your car to go somewhere. And, and the funding is coming in that way to, to make the transportation system more holistic, as you said earlier. And, and I think that between alternative deliveries and using technologies, it's just an exciting time to be in the industry as we move forward and provide these kinds of solutions to make all our lives better. And so we're not sitting in cars wasting time, but rather we're home with family or we're enjoying our kids' soccer games or whatever it might be. I think that's just very rewarding and I'm looking forward to that. You just painted a very exciting future for the industry, but also the public who will be using these roadways and transportation systems. So Chuck, thank you so much for coming on with us today. If you're up for it, we would love to check in with you again in the next quarter or so and see what you and your firm have been up to. Sure, that'd be great. And we wish you many, many, many more successful projects like this, and we will be talking to you soon. Thank you very much, Haley. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Engineering Works. Listen and subscribe to the podcast on ACECIL.org or your favorite podcast platform.